the Farm Advisory Service podcast. Audio advice on livestock, crops and soils, environment, rural business and more. Brought to you in association with the Scottish Government. Welcome to this Farm Advisory Service podcast. My name is Ross McKenzie and on this podcast I look further into the ways of the crofting community. I speak to Mary McKenzie, who tells me her memories, and also we look through the wonderful book she was involved in, Echoes from the Past. I'm just going to ask, like to ask you, Mary, about this excellent book that you've been heavily involved in, Echoes from the Past, how it came about. Well, it came about uh, when we had a lunch club. Uh, here in in Kilmuir, we got the elderly people together and went maybe to Uig or to Flodigeri or wherever uh, we could uh, manage to get for lunch. And that was subsidised by the Highland Council, which was very good. And um, at that time, we, of course, it was so interesting getting stories from the older people and uh, I happened to see an advert in a paper to say there was some money available to for a project with the senior citizens. So I applied. The application was considered favourable. Then we set up a committee of the younger helpers of the lunch club and we decided that the best thing we could do was to get a book together in in print and in photographs and try and get as much of the history of the area as possible. And we had a lot of help from uh, people such as John Swan in Kilmaluag. He was... Um, very experienced in the work and he was a great help to us and uh, we also had a lot of help from Dr. the late Dr. Callum McRae who knew the area so well and uh, was very sympathetic to the crafting community. One of the best bits of the book is the section Changing Social Customs in a Crofting Community written by your brother Jonathan. That's right. That's, and some of the photos just show what we're talking, these are probably 1940s, 50s? Well, I would say some of them 1930s, right. 1940, 50, yes. And what they show in certain areas of this area of Sky is major potato planting. Yes. <laughs> so the, the, the length that People are doing furrows with horses and it's a big scale. A big scale. And of course the potato planting was a very social occasion. Like most of the uh, craft work, you know, it was social and as well as educating the young people in how to do the work, there was also the fact that it strengthened the language because everybody spoke in Gaelic. Yes. And what the things I was hoping to ask you and if you can remember your first memories of being on the croft here. You've always been here, haven't you? That's right. For all your life. 
That's right. And what was your first memories that you can... Oh, my first memories are... I can look back over 80 years of yeah. memory. I can pinpoint the changing times. But my first memories are of going to the byre where the cows were in all winter. They weren't... They were tied in the byre. And, of course, I was in the byre a lot with my mother milking and feeding and that was really pl- very pleasant yeah. very pleasant it wasn't a chore uh, I can remember wanting to go when she wanted me to stay at home yes and uh, the also when springtime came and the cows went out to the common grazing all the cows, all the township cows would be out there and you'd, the neighbours would be meeting together out in the common. And of course, early summer, peat cutting, that was the highlight of the year, really. And uh, of course, everybody had their picnics yeah. out yeah. On the, where they were cutting the peats. And that in itself is just such a wonderful memory. We always look to the past and when we get older, we always think it was better, of course, because we have great memories. But in terms of how hard people had to work, it was very much a family Oh yes, family affair. Family. You all worked together. And, That's right. And you'd, you'd probably start on your croft, maybe doing the hay, and then you'd move to your neighbours or right. vice versa. Yes, yeah. yes. You know, people were so dependent on each other. Families were very dependent on each other. And of course, uh, children walked to school. Yeah. And of course, they uh, exchanged their games and whatever. If one had, if one was fortunate enough to get some chewing gum from a friend, they would soon share it among the others. Oh, that's yes, nice. Yes, And what about the likes of uh, school? Would you ever study things such as agriculture or or did, was that really, you learned that from the family? No, that was taught. That was taught uh, at home, yeah. yes. And the children were taught to feed the hens and taught to feed the cattle and taught to be really respectful of the animals. The crofters were very respectful of their animals and of the land that they that they used. My father was a lands officer with the Department of Agriculture. He was the go-between the crofters and the factor and uh, I well remember uh, and I still have copies of what he wrote to the the Department of Agriculture about complaints of people not uh, placing the turf down properly in the peat box. So even back then, you think of that's env- keeping the environment correct. Uh, they, were think- right. they were thinking purely of environments and biodiversity oh, back ab- then. absolutely they they were very conscious about keeping the environment tidy yes yeah that's that's really interesting and 
Then, of course, horsepower. It was very much horses back then. Oh, yes. And each crofter had a horse. Some crofters had two horses. And, you know, they shared the horses in the springtime. If somebody didn't have a horse, then the neighbour would say, oh, you can have my horse when I've done the potatoes or done the ploughing. And they shared the horses. And, you know, they respected the horses and looked after them extremely well. Yeah. There was no outwintering animals in those days. They were all wintered inside. Where would they buy the horses? Would would people come round selling? There was a farmer in Glenshiel by the name of Colin Campbell and he bred horses and a lot of the Sky people bought their horses from Colin Campbell at Glenshiel. Oh, yeah. That's uh, over the on the mainland. Yes. A bit like buying their bulls, they would have a, a specific breeder that they liked and they could buy from. That's right, but you know, the Department of Agriculture, um, they had a service, they bred bulls, and yeah. each year, every township or every township that needed a bull would get one uh, for the summer months from the Department of Agriculture. And as you'll see, Townships had sheds prepared for the bull. The bull was to be looked after as well as possible. (laughs) That's right. Of course, that still goes on today, but a lot of crofters, farmers have their own bull that they they buy. They didn't in those days. They didn't. They they just used the department's bulls. One of my earliest memories of coming to Sky with the family would be the communal thanks for shearing or dozing or dipping and how everyone would come together. Yeah. It, it was it's it probably more in your time. It, it would probably be like a, a sea of sheep coming in and then... Yes. Then families all coming in, like... That's right. Bringing in the picnics and... Oh, this. Thanks were a so very social occasion, yeah. and uh, here in Kilmuir, uh, uh, Hungladder, Pengown, Herbesta, and Antellum were together, and uh, of course the funk was quite a bit away, yeah. and uh, uh, people, when there was a day named for the funk people prepared themselves and prepared their picnics because the funk took a whole day and it was such a social occasion. People told their stories and people teased each other and (laughs) there was a lot of hilarity at the funks. But the hard work went on. All the sheep were shorn by hand shears. No electricity in those days. No. No. And of course, uh, there would be the, the help if someone was a bit behind, the rest would come and oh, get abso- the rest absolutely, sheared Absolutely, absolutely. No one was left to struggle. No. No. And that that's one of the, we see it now at the marts, you all see people come together and it's such a social occasion. Yes. But uh, what, and the characters there must have been and the joke telling. Oh, yes, yes, indeed. But people didn't take it to heart. They didn't take it to heart. And, you know, if somebody said the wrong thing, uh, the person uh, who 
Atomedus directed, soon forgot about it. <laughs> soon <laughs> forgot about it. Yes. There was an old lady in Herbester uh, called uh, Joan Mackenzie, and she lived next door to Donald McInnes, who was quite a character yeah. in the area. And uh, she was always, she was depending on him quite a lot to do things. And uh, this day she went over and she said to him, Donald, she says, my potatoes are needing cleaning. That that meant cleaning between the the furrows, you oh, know, yes, because we did. Yeah, yeah, my yeah. potatoes need cleaning. Yeah. She says, I can't hold them until I clean them. Yeah. And he said, well, Joan, he said, I won't clean your potatoes even if they reach the the sky, even if the weeds reach the sky. He said, I won't clean your potatoes. Yeah. So she went off in a huff, yeah. and soon after, her Donald followed yeah. to clean her potatoes. Aye. He's just winding her up. Yes, winding yeah, yeah. up. And then, of course, you talk about how the younger ones were, were getting taught at a young age. Oh, yes. Through all to, these... They they were events. they were taught, you know, to do the work, the craft work. They were taught how to do it. They were taught how to cut the hay, how to uh, make coals, yeah. how to transfer the coals to the stacks. They were taught. There was quite an art in in making a a corn stack oh, yes, because yeah. the sheaves had to be put the right way around yeah. and they used to put uh, some sort of herbs in the, in the corn stacks to keep the rats away. Oh, right. Yes, and that? you know, they used to thatch the corn stacks in the, for the winter because they were outside and yeah. they only took them in as they needed them into the barn. Right. Mm-hmm. And of the children were taught to do that, and they were also taught to use the threshing mill. Yes. They loved, I loved to paddle the threshing mill. Oh. Most of the crofters had a threshing mill yeah. uh, in the barn, and we were to, we were allowed, you know, when, when we could manage to reach the pedals, we were allowed to work the mill, and somebody had the sheaves of corn, and of course the seed was down at the bottom yeah. and that had to be done. And the winnowing, the winnowing. What's that? that? That's taking the chaff, you know, oh, shaking, right. shaking, shaking the grain yeah, so yeah. that the chaff came out of it. Wow. And all these things we were taught. We were taught to milk a cow from yes. a very young age, yeah. yes. Yeah. And of course we loved it when the calves came. And the calves were kept separate from the cows. The cows were milked by hand. The calves got theirs. And, of course, the rest was kept for the household. Yes. And the milk was generally set in big basins, either in the house or in the shed, if people had a shed. And they used... uh, to take the cream, the cream would come to the top, mm. thick cream came to the yeah. top, and they used a clamshell with three holes in it to separate the milk from the cream. Oh, right, that's yeah. how they did that. Yeah, that's, that's how it. that was done. And then, of course, we had the introduction of tractors. And oh, yes. That must have made a big difference. It made a big, of course it made a big difference. 
um, it changed things completely, you know. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I think it's a shame that people didn't keep the horses. Yes, aye, But uh, when the tractors came, there again the landlords, they bought tractors and they rented out the service. They had they had drivers themselves and they, they would uh, rent out the tractors to crofters who didn't have one. Yeah. But of course, Notion soon became very popular and yeah. people bought th- their own tractors. And then of course the horses they and were And then of course used, the horses yeah. were sold off, yeah. yes. See, um, a smiddy was necessary yes. for the horses yeah. and uh, uh, my grandfather uh, was a smith, was a, a local smith and of course the, the smithy was the great meeting place and where all the stories were told, good or bad, the stories were told in the smithy. Yeah. Yes. And uh, there was a couple living in uh, Kilmaluak and they were cohabiting, which was unheard of in those days. <laughs> and of course, this day they were getting married oh. and they were walking up the road and somebody said to the smith, somebody said to the smith, Oh, they're there. What a day they've chosen for their wedding. And the smith said, Well, they let many a good day go by. (laughs) Times have changed, haven't they? Times have changed, all right. You know, the way of life was unique and it was intertwined with, oh, hospitality, the education of the children and uh, social and religious yes uh, even in those days people walked to church and exchanged the news of the week on the way to church oh, yes, and yeah. uh, everybody spoke in Gaelic of course of course yeah one of the things Jonathan's article is everyone was on a sort of level playing field oh absolutely when we went to school, we were all the same. Nobody had more than no. the other person. And if they did, maybe the schoolmaster's children and perhaps the minister's children were seemed to be better off, but they they didn't reflect it at all. No. You know, they, they were just the same as all the others. One of the things I was interested in was if families came upon hardship due to poor lamings or just things didn't go their way or or maybe the the father of the house passed away some families could really struggle how did the community help them oh the community they were so so close to to one another and you know they would never see a neighbor in distress no, I remember hearing a story, and it's a true story. There was a, f- a family in Borneskitak who had uh, uh, fallen on hard times, and the story goes that the, the neighbour was out working in the hay, and he saw the wife from next door go to his house, and he thought, oh, she's going to have a blether with my wife. But when he went home at lunchtime, he said to his wife, Oh, I saw 
you're near but visiting you. Yes, she said. She was in distress. She had no money. And he said to her, and did you have anything? Yes, she said. I had one shilling. And I hope that you gave it to her, he said. Yes, she said. Of course I gave it to her. So they would do without themselves if to help others. Also, shops were very decent as well. Oh, yes, the local shopkeepers, you know, they if anybody was in difficulty, they would just give them what they needed. And, and as, as they would say then, they would put it on the slate. Yeah. And it would be paid when money became available to the people needing it. Yeah. And that's important. And hopefully, and I'm sure that goes on today as well, but there are support for farmers and crofters out there but you mentioned something about the Ministry of Poor Yes, there was an organisation called the Ministry of Poor and uh, the well-known Katie Douglas uh, or Catherine McNabb as she was called when she was the schoolmaster's daughter um, she was the inspector of poor for many years here and she used to Uh, go round the townships you know seeing people who had difficulties and trying to help them trying to source some funding to help them and uh, she was uh, had very good reputation for the good she did and you know as on a sideline she was very interested in music and particularly uh, traditional songs and that's how she collected a lot of her large library of songs. Oh, uh, yes. Yes. So we've got COVID-19 at the moment, which is a big problem, but we're getting by. You were saying about measles. How did people cope with that? Oh, people were very frightened of measles, and, of course, a lot of people died in the islands from measles in times gone by. But, you know, the amazing thing was that if somebody, a household had measles, people shunned the house, they wouldn't go near the house, but at the same time they would bring food and uh, drink and leave that in the byre or the, the barn for the people and they would... Uh, uh, indicate they would stop opposite the window and uh, shake a hanky or something to say they had left the stuff in the buyer wow that just that's just like today in in its own way so that's we're, right we're doing it for years years and years ago absolutely yes yes it's yes. a brilliant story that in the local community center Back then, that was actually a factory through through the that years. Was, yes, that started in 1908. Right. Was yes. that old? I didn't realise yes. it. Yes, 1908. Uh-huh. And uh, it was set up by a gentleman called Dr Barber. And he started making uh, fishing baskets. And there were quite a lot of people employed there. And after many years, the... Highland Home Industries took it over and they started um, tweed and tartan weaving and uh, making she and drugs. Right. 
right. or the rugs, beautiful rugs with yeah. a lot of pile, and they were called named after the Sheehan tiles. because ah, you you don't ex- expect a factory in such a small community. You expect it in a big city like That's, Glasgow or such, but. Yeah, of course. Well, it was it was really the heart of this community until the nineteen fifties. I think it was nineteen fifty four. It closed down. Yeah. Yes. And it became the community centre. Became the community community centre. That's right. And you're very heavily involved in the local community council. How important are these councils and setups for local communities? Well, um, quite important because they are they're able to uh, bring the voice of the people to the hierarchy. Yeah, you know, they, that that's a good thing. The complaints about it's not the peat bogs we're complaining about now; it's the roads. <laughs> yes, and uh, yeah. uh, they're able to bring to the attention of councillors the state of the roads and uh, whatever other problems are uh, voiced within the community. So we've got Echoes from the Past and you've written another book and you call it More Echoes from the Past. More Echoes from the Past, yes. These have gone down really well. I know it's probably the one book I go back to many a time to look through and just seeing the photos which just emphasise how important the community spirit is and what's really important also is how people back then were always out to help each other and not just financially and but also work-wise it's, it's absolutely it's great they were, you know if there was a widow uh, with a craft and with animals uh, the local men would help we talk about this area and of course sky in general and many west coast areas the language is so important back then everyone would have pretty much spoken Gaelic you were you're brought up with Gaelic and you know English is your second second language language yes that's right English is my second language and um, all of my generation and generations after us uh, Gaelic was their first language but um it's interesting to think that the Gaelic was taught mostly in the home. Um, you know, there was lit- very little Gaelic taught in the schools then, and, uh, you know, the teachers preferred uh, to accentuate English rather than Gaelic. The Gaelic was taught in the home, and, of course, uh, Gaelic was very strong in the crafting communities. Yes. Um, the crafting was really a way of life more than uh, an industry. And, you know, that that has changed greatly. Yes. It's now uh, really... Uh, uh, crafting is a source of income rather than a way of life. That, too, has... Uh, an influence on the use and strength of the language because 
you know, it was always spoken in the homes, it was spoken out on the fields, it was spoken in the fanks, it was spoken on the, when they were cutting the peats, yeah. it was spoke it was spoken on the way to church. Yeah. And of course people did go to church uh, on a regular basis then and the service was generally in Gaelic with if but if there were any non Gaelic speakers there the minister would uh, do a little translation of his yeah. sermon. The um, emphasis on the language was uh, quite strong. Crafting way of life still has a lot to offer. And I think on that we'll close the podcast here, but can I just thank you so much, Mary? You're a wealth of knowledge and your history. It's wonderful to hear it, and uh, I could sit here all day, but you, you're you too busy, a woman, to, <laughs> to have time for me sitting here all day. And so thank you so much, Mary. Thank you for your time. Well, it's been a pleasure, and uh, it's wonderful to reminisce, really, and think about those people who have ploughed the furrow before us. Wonderful. Go out on a Gaelic note. Lian kutludi kludahinshid. Stick closely to the reputation of your forebearers. We'll go with that. Thanks so much, Mary. That's brilliant. I had so much fun with this podcast, and I can't thank Mary Mackenzie enough for her time and her wonderful stories. If you want to learn more about the Farm Advisory Service, please visit the website on faz.scot. Or if you need further advice, call the helpline on 0300 323 0161.